the blood shall never lose its power. Nehemiah 8 and 5 says, when he opened the book, all the people stood up. My brothers and my sisters, today is the day that God has made for us. And we are blessed to be here. Sixty years ago, sixty years ago, my wife, Jimmy Pitts Cavanis, my son, Theophilus James Cavanis, myself and my dog came to Cleveland, Ohio. Theodosia Jacqueline would soon later join us. We came to this great church upon the visitation, the invitation of Ms. Versi Lee Young, who is in heaven today, and Mrs. Margaret Carter, who is also in heaven today. We stayed on Durant Avenue. My first sermon at the Great Abyssinia Baptist Church was entitled, a question. Who told you that you were so important? 60 years ago, I stood on these sacred ground. And I asked Cleveland, who told you that you were so important? So again this morning, I want to talk to you from the subject question. Who told you? that you were so important. All right. All right. 60 years later, I want to ask you that same question. Who told you that you were so important? The text is found in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. It was, but by the grace of God, Help me, Holy Ghost. I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed on me, hallelujah, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Now, my brothers and my sisters, would you kindly be kind enough to turn to someone, anyone, if ain't nobody there, just talk to them, not to yourself, and say, neighbor, neighbor. Don't, get don't get it twisted. All of what I am, all of what you are, all of what you have, is only by the grace of God and because of the grace of God. You may be seated. Every now and then, my brothers and my sisters, we run across some very important people. What I call some self-important people. They know everything. 
that there is to be known. They've been everywhere there is to go. Nothing else for them to know. And nowhere else for them to go. Self-important people. To them, they are the big angelata. The last bag of potato chips. The great I am. The only bubble in the ocean. And the only pebble on the beach. They think that when God made them, he quit making people. Am I up here just talking by myself? Help me somebody. They threw away the pattern. Self-important. I sought help from this self-important from Webster's Dictionary. And it says that self-important people are those that have or show an exaggerated opinion of themselves. Of their own importance. Popiously conceited and holding. The dictionary has some synonyms to describe the self-important people. He said they're arrogant. They have an exaggerated importance. Egotistical. I is in the middle of everything. Pompous. Come on, I don't get quiet on me. Cocky. Overbearing. Smug. Puffed up. Presumptuous. And supercilious. Like have a high supremacy. They think they're better than somebody else. Behaving or looking as though you think you are superior to others. Self-importance. Is the sin of the ages. And when I come in contact with people like this, I want to hurry up and ask them, who told you that you were so important? Without God, the song says, we are nothing. Without God, we would fail. Without God, our road would be rugged, like a ship without a sail. Somebody had rightly said that man in himself ain't worth too much of anything. He doesn't have enough lead and ammonia to write a three cents postal card. That's, it's almost up to 50 cents now. He doesn't have enough sulfur to excrete fleas from one dog. Doesn't have enough iodine in him to cure a pin scratch, nor enough lime in him to whitewash a chicken coop. The truth is that you can put a $1,000 suit on a man, a $500 pair of shoes, a diamond ring, a Rolex watch, but he's still nothing but dust. You don't believe me? Pick up your Bible. Genesis 3.19 says, For dust thou art. To dust thou shalt return. Our importance, my brothers and my sisters, comes from God and God alone. I wish I had some help in here. Remember, it was God who from the dust of the ground formed man and womankind. Genesis 2 and 7 said, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
And man became a living being. He made man and woman, not woman and woman. Man is a unique combination of earthly and natural material and life-giving power from God himself. Such a mode of creation highlights the importance and value of human life. The Apostle Paul understood this as anyone on earth. So in our text today, Paul utters God-given words. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see, we human beings like to take credit for our achievements. After all, we think that they are our achievements. I remember so vividly a young Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, who became heavyweight champion of the world. He was unlike anyone else I have ever seen before in the text which he bragged about himself. He proclaimed himself to be the greatest of all time. After he defeated Sonny Liston, Clay went around shouting, I'm the greatest. I shook the whole world. And at a post-fight conference, it was the same. He boasted, look at me. I'm so pretty. Look at me. I'm handsome as I can be. And other times he bragged about how smart he was. Some of his boasting was kind of funny. He wrote several poems. Here's one about his fight with Sonny Liston. He said, now Clay lands with a right with a beautiful swing and the punch raises the bear clean out of the ring. Liston is still rising and the roof wears a frown for he can't stop counting till Sonny goes down. Now Sonny is disappearing from view. The crowd is going frantic. But radar stations have picked him up in somewhere over the Atlantic. Who would have thought when they came to the fight that they'd witness a launching of a human satellite? Yes, the crowd did not dream when they put up their money that they would see the total clips of Sonny. That's funny, y'all. But a whole lot of his bragging wasn't just funny at all. In the accident himself, he said, some most degrading, untrue, and hurtful things about his opponents. His insults went by way, way beyond the born, born bounds of propriety. But that's what happens when one exalts himself. He inevitably puts other folks down. Eli's bragging was sickening. He actually said, I'm the greatest thing that ever lived. Many years later, George Foreman lost the heavyweight title to Ali in 1974. He said that one of the things that made losing so hard to take was the fact that he lost his title to a braggadocia. Muhammad Ali at his boastful best was just an extreme version of all of us. All of us got a little Ali in us. Come on, help me, Holy Ghost. Somehow or another, we all have the propensity to not give all the credit to God that he deserves. Whatever we have and whatever we possess is all about God's grace. We did not give the glory to God as we should. We all have a little pride. Proverbs 16, 18 said, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. And whom the God would destroy, they first make mad with power. Can I get a witness in here? Charles Dickens' character, Uriah Heep, 
shows us that we can be even proud of our humility. How ridiculous is that? Yet we can be like that. Pride can well up inside of us so quickly. Some of the ancient Romans knew this. Legend has it that when a victorious general paraded through the streets, he was sometimes trailed by a servant whose job it was to repeat, Momento mori, remember you will die. Hebrews 9.27 says, well, and it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that the judgment. That was no doubt a very good antidote to a Roman general's pride, but the greatest antidote to our pride is a good understanding of grace. My brothers and my sisters, there's nothing like God's grace. And the better we understand it, the more we will boast not in ourselves, but in God Almighty. The main thing we see in this text is that Paul attributed every good in him to God's grace. Talking about his apostleship and comparing himself to the other apostle, Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. What a statement, my brothers and my sisters. If this were the only verse in the Bible about grace, it would be enough to give us a good understanding of what grace is all about. So we should pay close attention to it. All the good that was in him, Paul said, Paul credited to God's grace. All the good that was in him, God gave, Paul gave God the glory. This is a verse that we should memorize that we should take to heart, that we should bring to mind every day of our lives. This is a verse that will help us live as we should. Uh, consider Paul's life. It was all of grace. Second Timothy 1 and 9 said Paul told us that we were given the grace of salvation before eternal ages. He wrote, who has saved us, who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, because of his own purpose and his own grace. Ain't God good? This grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Paul was actually saved by grace in order to, to it's clear to everyone who knows about his conversion. Can anybody remember back in Acts 9, he tells us that meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, boys or girls, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. But the Bible says as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light. <laughs> That's the way God works. That's the way God works. Suddenly. When you think you're so big, suddenly a light shone from heaven. He fell to the ground and he heard the Lord said, Saul, why dost thou keep on persecuting me? Who said, who are you, Lord? Saul said, he said, I'm Jesus. Anybody here know anything about Jesus? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up from here and go into the city and I'll tell you what to do. But when God, Paul says, set me apart and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach the gospel among the Gentiles. God gave 
grace to Paul. Before the beginning of time, God gave him grace. When he was born, God gave him grace and set him apart. When he was called upon the Damascus Road, God gave him grace. When God made him apostle, he gave him grace. It was grace Paul didn't deserve. When Paul was going to Damascus, breathing out threats against Christian, what he deserved was fire from heaven and come down and consume him and turn him into a pile of ashes. But God didn't deal with Paul. According to what he deserved, he gave him grace. He saved him on a Damascus road. Canceled out hell and gave him heaven. But it's not just before the beginning of time or in our initial calling or in the moment that we'll say we receive grace. Paul tells us here that his current standing is grace as an apostle. In the Christian life, grace is everything, y'all. How good to us Jesus has been. Anybody here can testify that God is good? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Grace is based not upon our works, but upon the work of Jesus Christ. Because of the work of Jesus, we have a new standing with God. The new standing is from grace, as Paul wrote in Romans 4.24. He said, we are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Arising out of this new standing, the whole of the Christian life from the beginning to the end is grace. The grace of God makes the new man what he is. We see this in Romans 8.32, which says of God the Father, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? The new man lives by grace. When Paul was struggling against his thorn in the flesh, he asked God to take it from him. He didn't ask him one time. He didn't ask him two times. He said he asked him three times. Finally, when he said God answered him, he said, my grace. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My brothers and my sisters, we are God's workmanship. That means that God had made us what we are. Just as when God created Adam and Eve, God has done the same thing for us. He made us for his noble purposes. That's an incredible statement that he said in Ephesians 2 and 10. He said, we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. That, my brothers and my sisters, is an incredible statement. The good works that you and I have done, you only did them because God prepared them for you to do. The only reason you did them was because God made you what you are. You are his workmanship. Paul attributed his work all to grace. By the grace of God has given me, I laid the foundation as an expert builder. My brothers and my sisters, all of us, and every work that we do belongs to the Lord in Jesus Christ. Let me try to get out of here. I want to say three things. First of all, what does this mean? It means that you shouldn't go around boasting. You can't go around boasting. It's not only inappropriate, but I'm sure it makes us incredibly look kind of stupid to the heavenly host. Years ago, there's a story in Grand Rapids, Michigan that illustrates this. The owner of a small foreign car had begun to irritate his friend by bragging incessantly about his gas mileage. 
So they decided to get some humor out of his tireless boasting as well as bring it to an end. And every day, one of them would sneak into the parking lot where the man kept his car and pour a little more gas into the tank. To keep him from being obvious, they only put a little bit every day. Soon the braggart was recording an uh, uh, absolutely phenomenal mileage. He was boasting of getting as much as 90 miles per gallon. And the pranksters took delight in his exasperation as he tried to convince people of the truthfulness of his claim. He was even more fun to watch his reaction when they stopped ref refilling the tank. The poor fellow couldn't figure out what had happened to his car. During the prank, the guy thought his car was getting great mileage. He couldn't cease bragging about it, but he had nothing to brag about. His friends were playing a trick on him. They were responsible for his supposed great gas mileage. It was just a joke. My brother and my sister, if we brag about ourselves, we're just foolish. To a child who joyfully gives his parent a present, a birthday present after having spent the parent's own money to buy it. I'm sure that some of you can relate to this. A mother tells his young son what his father would like for his birthday. The mother drives him to the store to get it. The mother pays for it. The mother helps him pick out the card and pays for it. The mother wraps the present up. Then on the father's birthday, the little boy gives it to his father and he's so happy and smiles. That's wonderful to see a little child because he's just a little child. But to see that in an adult, an adult who should know better, an adult who has received everything by grace and yet boasts in himself, that's totally inappropriate. My brother and my sister, don't be proud. Don't boast in yourself. Don't think that you're something special in yourself. All of that is inappropriate. It's all about grace. Second of all, this means that we should, must boast only in the Lord. We should boast in the Lord. Hadn't the Lord been good to you? Hadn't the Lord been incredibly good to you in giving us grace? How we should rejoice in him. 1 Corinthians 1, says, Let him who boasts, boast only in the Lord. And in Jeremiah 9, he said, that's what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, and the strong man boasts of his strength, or the rich man boasts of his riches. But let him boast about this, that he understands and knows that I am the Lord thy God. Hallelujah. I tell you, it's all about God. If there's kindness in the world, if there's justice and righteousness on this earth, it's because of him, because of his grace, and not because of us. God has been mighty good to us. Thirdly and lastly, this means that we should throw ourselves into God's grace and live for God's glory. It's not surprising in the light of Paul's background that he regarded himself as the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle. Only the grace of God could overcome such demerits. But because his grace had been lavished on such an unworthy person, Paul was not going to let anyone take away his position or his vocation away from him. To let that happen would be a treat to God, God's grace flippantly. To treat it like that. The only proper response to grace is total commitment and giving everything you have to God. I want to get out of here now. But let's not go too quickly. I want to tell you a story. The story is told of a man who went on a voyage. He had been longing for so long to go on this voyage. It was a cruise and it cost him all he had. He packed himself 
some peanut butter, and a jelly sandwich. He knew he wouldn't be able to afford to buy anything on the cruise, so he took him some peanut butter sandwiches and some jelly sandwiches. It was a week-long cruise, and he planned to eat this peanut butter and jelly sandwich the whole time for the length of the trip. And as he finally embarked upon his long-awaited vacation, he was excited about the upcoming fun, although it included the same meal in and every day. At first, he was fine with his chosen fare, but after a while, he began to notice all the food available to the other travelers. People were gorging themselves on the beef and the ham and the turkey, the chicken and the vegetables. He saw people having room service. He thought to himself, Lord have mercy. I'm out here with peanut butter and jelly. And these people are eating all of this good stuff. One day he saw one of the guys coming by with his big plate of food. And the man asked him how much would it cost just to get a little meal. The guy with the plate stared at the man. The man continued to explain that he only had enough money for his ticket and he didn't bring enough for the meal, but now thought he would like to try something small. With disbelief, the guy told the man that the meals were included in the price of the tickets. My brother and my sisters, there are a whole lot of Christians today going around eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, wondering why they can't enjoy a good meal from God. They look around at other Christians who seem to be victorious, seem to be on top, or seem to be eating spiritual steak and potato, and wonder why they are limited to peanut butter, jelly, and bread. What that man on the cruise didn't understand is what far too many Christians don't understand, and that is the principle of grace. When Jesus went through the heavens and was seated on the right hand of the Father, all the meals were included in the ticket. All the help was in the ticket. All the enablement was in the ticket. All the strength was in the ticket. All the strength was in the ticket. Leave the peanut butter alone. Let the jelly sandwich go. Remember God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to get out of here now. But I want to tell you, Grace woke me up this morning. Grace started me on my way nothing but grace grace will lift you up grace will keep you in the heart of god's hand grace will feed you and never let you go hungry grace will put food on your table grace will put clothes on your body grace will be a friend when you're friendly grace will be a mother when you're motherless grace will be a father when you're fatherless can i get some help in here i'm talking about grace in the time of trouble nothing but grace in the time of peace, nothing but grace. There's something about the grace of God. I said it picked me up, turned me around, set my feet on solid ground. Anybody here know anything about grace? Amazing grace. How sweet. 